0: Welcome to the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students willing to take risks. Join them as they chat with educators from around the world discussing educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds and now a word from a sponsor oh,
1: have you heard about the nerds What's the word? Teaching nudes. You could tweet them out on Twitter, you can find them on the gram. After listen to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like BAM! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to
2: Canada and down to
1: Mexico. Gotta
0: go. Teaching nudes. Start the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the teacher and Arts podcast i'm ron nober i'm joe DePaulo. i'm a technology teacher third grade to eighth grade and i teach third grade and today we have two guests joining us uh reginald davenport and uh abner oaks welcome we're uh so glad that you guys are here with us yeah
1: thanks for having us yeah thanks ron thanks joe
0: we're doing work with Abner and, and Reggie um, through ISA for our school uh, and equity, equity work with uh, all the teachers in our district. Absolutely. So, That's yeah, good work. Yeah. We, we're having a lot of fun and we'll be, we'll, we're recording this on Thursday and we have a meeting with them actually tomorrow on a Friday. Yep. All right. Always a good way to end the week.
2: Oh, most Absolutely. definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank uh, you.
3: you. You say that now while the recording is
2: on. Yeah. Oh, right. come exactly. on. Yeah. <laughs> Our meetings are fun. I I always have a lot to say.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh
3: "Uh huh. Yes, you do. We have to put you in each group. (laughs) I know. So
0: we're going to jump into our two yes, more one no way icebreaker, and we're doing a seventies music edition today. It's time for two yes, more one no abner you've been taking us on these uh pandemic music battles on twitter that uh you know having us voting and doing the field of 64 kind of bracket thing yeah yeah
1: it's been great fun
0: um, I'll, I'll jump
1: in first all right, you do uh, it with my you two do it yes
0: mores and then we'll go to you abner so all right cool my two yes mores very very diverse <laughs> one is the sex pistols um, I loved the Sex Pistols, you know, I didn't get into them until I was in the mid eighties and I was in high school, but, uh, Sex Pistols, I just, I, I loved the music. I loved the the whole punk vibe, um, was into that in, in high school. And then the other one is probably, I guess if you could go to the other extreme is John Denver. And, you know, again, just, I, I like that, the storytelling that he does and the, the the music that he does and the, it just, the, the country feel of it, you know? So they were my two yes mores, my one, no way kiss. Oh, oh. I could, <laughs> not, could not get into kiss and uh, all, all through like grade school, you know, like all the, the kids that I was in grade school with everybody loved kiss. And I just could not get into it. Don't know what it was. Just <laughs> was not my thing. Um, so that's that's my no way.
1: All right. I'll do my two. Yeah. You want me to do my two, Ron? So yeah, I yeah. would say at very opposite end of the spectrum, my two big thumbs up are bands like Elvis Costello, The Clash, um, those kinds of bands. Um, and then also I would say disco. I love disco. Uh, I love the beat. There are certain songs that I just think are so well crafted. Um, so uh, those would be my two yeses and my no would probably be the Captain and Tennille. Right. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Uh, you got to look got to look it up, Joe. Muskrat Love, man. You got to look it Must, up.
2: Huh. <laughs> All right. And I'm, I'm I'm a music, you know, I love music, so that'll be a Muskrat Love, huh? Captain
1: and Tennille, put that on. put that on. Put that on uh, <laughs> uh, repeat tonight when you're making
2: dinner. Right? We'll see what happens mm. after
1: the podcast. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll have to find out how that all went tomorrow during our uh, our meeting. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: that's right. Go. Uh, Reggie, you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, now I understand what's what's going on here because I wasn't sure exactly. All right. So my my two uh, yes, mores. Uh, will be uh, Prince, of Uh, course. Prince is the man, you know. Was was it was somebody asked Eric Clapton, How's it it feel to be the the greatest guitarist of all time? He says, I don't know, ask Prince. Um, (laughs) and uh, the greatest group of all time, in my my opinion, my first concert in 1977, Earth Wind and Fires, the universe, and it was you know, their musicianship, their vocal. Their vocals, it was it was just, you know, hooks from the very... I'll, I'll never forget, it. I was 14 years old, Thanksgiving night, in Madison Square Garden. Wow, um, holy smokes. That was your first concert? That was my first concert. Ooh. You, that's, know, you talk and,
2: about, uh, for a first, that's a... Yeah, what a great show. <laughs> yeah, that. everybody
1: yeah. else is going gonna, is
2: gonna to come up short, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm afraid to say mine was the Beach Boys, Reggie, so, you know, it's like... <laughs> Oh, well, all the Beach Boys are great, but like, yeah. not, not Earth, Wind, and Fire.
3: Yeah, yeah my my no ways. Um, I am, you know, it's. I don't know that I have a, a single. I am not a country music fan. All right, mm. so we can any of the genre. I'm like, yeah, you can add that. Yeah, yep, you can add that. That's
2: good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, since since you kind of. Went the opposite of Ron. I'll start off with my no way, <clears throat> my '70s no way. Abner, sorry man, is disco. Uh, <laughs> want nothing to do with disco, and not to say that you know if it came on at a wedding, I would probably dance. Yeah, because it does have a, a good beat. You know, that's you can right. move to it. <clears throat> but not uh, that, that would be my no way, and and that's where it was born and bred in the '70s, right? Like that's it originated. So yeah, just no thank you to disco. So. For my two yeses, it's really hard because my favorite band is the Stones, mm. the Rolling Stones. So if I would have to pick one song, I probably couldn't. So I'm going to say Dance Little Sister Dance is just uh, like any kind of fast, upbeat song. Um, so that would be my one Rolling Stone song if I had to pick it. So, my, so for a, a number two, I wouldn't... I would say probably I would just go with an artist and I would probably have to say James Brown.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. My dad, that was his, my dad's, and my dad's a huge stones fan. And Ron, I might have even said this before his favorite concert was going to see James Brown. And I can't tell you how many stones shows he've seen. And, and we've seen a bunch of stone shows together. And, and when I, when, you know, to talk about a show, like I've never seen anything really in Madison Square Garden per se, but like the spectrum, you know, the spectrum is a pretty iconic place. The Stones put on more than a musical performance, right? Like I'm sure Earth, Wind and Fire, there's so much more going on behind it. So that's, you know, so for my dad to say that James Brown even topped that, um, as far as a performer goes, you know, I'd I'd have to throw him in there as my other yes. that's my '70s edition, yeah. and I would have to say '70s not my favorite time for music.
0: Wow. Okay. Now you, you, yeah, you're like late '60s, right? Like you like that late '60s. Late.
2: I like late '60s, and then I guess probably '90s, late '80s. Um, you know, I guess when rap started to come around, yeah. um, I was middle school, so it was pretty impressionable. I remember my first rap tape. Uh, we got from Sam Goody and my dad picked us up from the mall and we put it in and I didn't hear what was going on, but it was an NWA tape. And my dad was like, What did you <laughs> that buy? was your introduction? <laughs> I, uh, that was good. the first rap tape I ever bought. That's so good. my <laughs> my dad it, we were in the Monte Carlo, he ejected that tape. He was back <laughs> at Sam Goody the next day. And you know, that was, I guess, either those stickers who was it? Was it Tipper Gore? Yeah. Who put yeah. The parental advisor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if that sticker was on there or not, but my dad was hot <laughs> and he got my $6 or $8 back, however much the tape was. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's, <laughs> I learned a lot. Of that, your that or... <laughs>
0: father for, uh, for rap music. That was a, that was a good choice, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was hot. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, that's good. Uh, hey, thanks anyway, for, for, you know, doing that with us. We, uh, we have a lot of two. Yes, mores. We hope you enjoyed that segment of two. Yes, mores one. No way. And now we're going to take a little break, but we'll be back in a moment. Are you and your students missing a class trip this year? Would you like to bring some animal fun into your classroom? Well, let miss Amanda and farm friends, LLC, help you out. Farm friends and her animals can pay a virtual visit to your classroom they offer a variety of programs like story time with real animals or science and nature facts. Miss Amanda even has a program about loving kindness. With their virtual visits, it doesn't matter where you are, Miss Amanda and the animals can come, visit, educate, and most importantly, spread smiles. For more information, to book a program, or to help support them by donating to their Amazon wish list, visit farmfriendsllc.com. Be sure to follow them on social media at Farm Friends LLC. Oh, and don't forget to visit their YouTube channel for Storytime Tuesdays. Remember, that's FarmFriendsLLC.com. And now back to the show. Uh, so, you know, like I said, at the beginning, we're doing this equity work with you all in our school district. And maybe Abner, if you want to start, just tell us your journey through to education to where you are now. Yep. And then we'll, uh, we'll go to you, Reggie.
1: Yeah, I'd be glad to. I, I started my career actually in private schools, Ron and Joe. I was a private school teacher for um, 16 years, taught in boarding and day schools. And it was around 1997 when I kind of thought, you know, I, I was living just outside of Washington, D.C., I was seeing a lot of kind of interesting reform minded work that was going on there. And as much as I loved teaching and teaching independent school students. In fact, I still keep in touch with many of them. And many of them or several of them are teachers. So, that's always kind of cool too. I just sort of felt like they would be fine. Now, they're going to be fine. Many of them are already set up to succeed. And there were many students, as I began to recognize, that were not. And I sort of felt like I needed to um, try something different. Um. So even though I had had this long career, right, in independent schools, I sort of saw what was going on in the public school realm and thought, you know, there's work to do here. Um, and so I left independent school teaching. I moved into, I didn't start teaching in public schools, but I started doing kind of school improvement work within a year. I was with this organization called Modern Red Schoolhouse. We were a national uh, nonprofit that was doing um, Uh, improvement work with schools really all over the country. Um, So I was doing that, working in rural areas of Georgia and South Carolina, urban areas like Atlanta and um, Washington, D.C., actually, too, here. Um, And that was really kind of instrumental in my thinking, you know, as I moved from the independent school world to the kind of public school improvement world. I've had a really lucky career, you guys. I mean, I've, I've done these direct services to schools and districts. I've worked in the ed tech space. I've worked in an education policy shop. And now in some ways I'm back, you know, I'm back to that direct services side, right, where um, ISA, you know, we provide direct services, whether it be equity or school improvement related services to schools and districts all over the country you know, so I've kind of made full circle in some way. So that's, that's been my sort of career arc. And it's, and and again, I feel very lucky that I've been able, I, 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 I built this great base in some ways, my basement was that teaching that I did, and learning kind of how to be a, a good, effective teacher, and then was able to kind of work in all of these different areas, you know, as I said before, so I've had a had a pretty cool career yeah
0: say, you know. yeah pretty interesting yeah uh, reggie you want to
3: give us your your little history yeah um i think my mine was a little little more winding road into uh education um second career educator i i worked in the, the family business for 10 years uh, my father was a mailman i worked at the post office um and um at, you know after after a, a few years at the post office, you know, um, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up, and um, was working that that four to midnight shift um, <laughs> in the afternoons. Newly married, um, and was actually in schools during the day working for Life Touch. So I had two jobs, <laughs> taking taking pictures for Life Touch, right. Um, and, you know, one Friday night, you know, came home to to my new bride and I'm like, I, I, I hate what I'm doing and I got to mm-hmm. figure out something. And um, she suggested in that conversation, you know, she says, Reg, you know, you loved working with the kids, you know, at the church. Why don't you just finish your degree and and, and become a teacher? Uh, because I'd actually dropped out of college you know, when I went right out of high school and um you know, I'm, you know, I'm almost 30, I can't go back to school now. You know, I had all these excuses. And that, that was a Friday night. And Monday, I was in an elementary school in Nutley, New Jersey. Um, and the late John Walker was, a, was the principal, you know? And it was, it, was, it was interesting, it wasn't a very diverse school, student population or, 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 or a staff. Um, and there was a little kindergartner who says, you're like Mr. Walker. So, you know, once I saw Mr. Walker tall black man. You know, I'm not tall but I'm a black man. I don't know if you notice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um and we started having a conversation and he and in that conversation we discovered that I graduated high school with his son. My brother was working at the same hospital department as his wife. My sister was in his daughter's wedding the previous oh, wow. and in, at the end of this conversation he says, "You know, we need more black men in classrooms." you ever thought about being a teacher? And for me, that was, that was God answering prayers like, Lord, what am I going to do? Right. And that was in November and in, in January, I was back in school and, you know, it's been uh, a, a really blessed ride. I taught, um, in East orange in alternative ed. Uh, my first day of, of teaching was the million man March. So I couldn't go to DC. Um, I had, to, I had to go to a job and, um, for that first year of teaching i also still kept my job at the post office at night you know Ooh, and um, it was it was an amazing right so you know i did uh, my my master's at seton hall and then my doctorate at upenn you know and it was and, and it was cool because you know it, what i what i realized was that that i had the capability i just didn't have the support you know to 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 do and complete those journeys um and so you know as I became an assistant principal after seven years of teaching, um, you know, I noticed that there were, you know, the, all the all the students being sent to the principal's office or the assistant principal's office uh, looked like me, and you know, we started having conversations on on, uh, you know, why why are only the black boys getting in trouble here? And you know, of course, that you know, you know, well, Mr. Damper, what are you trying to say? You know, you know exactly what I'm trying to say, and so it led to conversations around um, culture responsive teaching and how are we meeting the needs? Cause you know, they would, they would say, well, they haven't learned our way. And I'm like, yeah, but you, what do you know about their way? And so um, that led to, uh, you know, the, my dissertation work on um, focusing on the culturally relevant beliefs of teachers and, and its impact on the school experience of students. And, you know, as I, um, grew in that journey, you know, I went from teacher to assistant principal and principal all in middle school, you know, that's, you know, that's why all this gray hair.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> it, was,
3: um, it was, it, it was, it would those experiences and those journeys that, that, that led me to, um, you know, starting to present on, on different levels at different conferences. And um, it turns out, you know, the president of ISA, uh, Stephanie Wood Garnett, uh, came through the same doctoral program and when she, when she uh, arrived at ISA, you know, I, I sent her a text, I'm like, Hey, how you doing? You know? And, uh, so I was working for Discovery Education at the time, and then, you know, it was an opportunity to move on. And then she introduced me to Abner and uh, we had a few conversations and uh, here I am part of ISA. And it's it's been a, it's, it's been a great experience so far.
0: That's all. You, you have a very similar, Joe and I are both second career teachers.
3: You know, it, we, we it just you just bring a, a life experience that 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 matters in your teaching. You yes, know, and in your, how you connect to kids. So, you know, yeah, I mean, there's great teachers who come right out of college, but but they you know the, the second career educator do, does bring a different perspective that helps as well.
0: So for our the the audience, when we're talking about equity in education, like what is it exactly that we're even speaking about?
3: Um. Equity in education is 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 making sure that you know I, you know and, and I don't and, and like Abner, Abner will say you know I don't talk about level playing fields I think we're just talking about ensuring that all students regardless of race ethnicity gender abilities have their opportunity to create in themselves and be their best selves. We are constantly we're charged with educating students for portions of society that does not exist yet. Right. And so how do we do that? But but making sure that each student has what they need, as opposed to making sure all students have the same thing. Right. So it's that equity versus equality kind of argument. So for me, equity in education is is meeting those students, establishing those relationships and meeting those students where they where they are to provide them the the, the tools they need to be successful in college and beyond.
1: Yeah, and it, excuse me, it may mean, right, Reggie? It may mean that certain schools get, need more support, whatever mm-hmm. that might mean. You know, that might mean additional funding. That might mean additional people. But to me, it's an understanding of the opportunity gaps that exist for certain students and what needs to be done to fill those gaps, right? whatever that might be. And I'm not sure, I mean, I'd love to hear what you two think, Joe and Ron, I'd love to hear what you two think, but I'm not sure that schools do that kind of really careful examination of what those opportunity gaps are and then really um, work to um, create um, the systems that um, sort of push against the kind of institutional um, bias institutional racism that occurs for a lot of students that right. pushes against that to kind of fill fill those gaps right reggie does that does that make sense is that kind of uh cue with what you what you're thinking
3: uh, absolutely the you know uh, you know cuz that the term opportunity gaps is i think at the, at the at the foundation of it all you know, you know, what what opportunities do you have or are you lacking to be able to be successful? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, there is an assumption that, well, you know, if we give the Ron School, the Joe School, the Avenue School and the Reginald School the same amount of money, regardless of their regardless of their student population, you know, they should be successful. And, you know, and and, you know, there there are opportunity, there are gaps in where students are showing up at the door, you know, and, you know, that one of our schools may have more students moving in from a, a foreign land who, you know, so English is not their first language. You know, how do we, how do we get them on algebra if, if, if they're not, if, if they're struggling with English um, and, and things like that. So the opportunity gaps um, in addressing those and pushing back against those
2: are foundational in, in this work.
1: Joe, Ron, how would you guys react to that question? I think it's heavy.
2: I I, I think at a, at a third grade level, it's it's addressing, I guess, in the classroom, what do the students need? So so. I think in order for me to address it, it's addressing it student by student um, with what I have. So when when you talk about the the students that do come in, that English isn't their first language. So mm-hmm. what am I specifically doing for that mm-hmm. when I have a letter to send home? You know, do I send that letter home? Do I just put it through Google Translate? Um, do I know about Google Translate or do I have um, access to another teacher around me that could, you know, hey, is this, does this look right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think to maybe try and address things that way, um, or if I do have someone else in there that I don't know too much about the culture or their background, to, to take it upon myself to learn it or, or to mm-hmm. make connections with the parents at home, um, because I think if you are connected to the parents and you're reaching out to the parents, you're showing you're your caring. Um, and I think it's important to know that, yeah, you're you're not going to know everything, and you're not going to know what every student needs. So, so I think making those connections is a good place to start. Because um, as a classroom teacher, you know, with with all those needs, like, oh well, if we need more money in our budget, which would then allow for more services, and then maybe more teachers, like that's all that stuff is out of my control. But what is is in my control is what I can do with with the students that are coming into my classroom. Um, and what each of those individuals need i think our district is great in the fact that we do offer breakfast so when kids do come in hungry you know especially this year they're not charging for lunches or breakfast so they do have that option to eat in the morning um we do have our speech therapist works with those students that where english isn't their first language and our district does send us out for those additional trainings. So I think those are ways that we're trying to at least address things in our individual classroom. Ron is a specials teacher. Do you want to yeah, I mean, try and hit on anything?
0: Yeah, so for me, I think it there's, there's, you know, I guess like twofold. There's the overall, right? And I think what, what I would like to see with, with our district is this isn't a, you know, 2020 to 2021 school year thing that we're going to do. Yes. Because I, I think that all too often it's we're going to do this initiative for this year and then we forget about it the next year and i don't think the work with equity is a year-long process it is multi-year long and it is continuing year after year even even when you think you're done you still need check-ins and you know just to kind of keep everybody on the same page and keep it fresh and have – because it is going to take, I think, some people time to roll around and, and
2: understand. What, well, the conversations are tough. Right. Those well, conversations right. are tough conversations to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so even just to get used to being able to talk about it.
0: Yeah. To, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just uh, to be able to talk about it and to feel – there, there are times where you might feel uncomfortable about what you're, what you have to say. Or you might realize – you know, for me, I, I grew up in a, a little bit of a, you know, not very diverse neighborhood in, in Philadelphia and, you know, had, there was racism in there. And, and for me, you know, being able to look back and go, man, I never even looked at it from a different perspective before, <laughs> you know, and, and it always comes around. And I think, you know, I, I want to talk about this kind of maybe a segue, but we talk about privilege. I think when, when you hear, and, and a lot of people hear privilege, their back gets up because they're like, heck, my, you know, my life wasn't easy. You know, like I, I think I, I know myself, my dad left when I was 21, I had two brothers in Catholic, one in Catholic high school, one in Catholic grade school and a sister in Catholic high school. And I'm thinking, you know, people talking about privilege, I didn't, I wasn't privileged. Like I, I stopped going to college to work full time as a security guard so I could be paying bills that, you know, weren't my responsibility to begin with. And, but that's not, that's not the privilege we're talking about. It's, it, it, for me, it's, if you don't even recognize that, that's the privilege, right? Like, <laughs> that's right. but you don't that's have right. to even recognize. There you go.
3: Absolutely. Um, that's right. I
0: think the first time it hit me, you know, was you know, uh, probably two or three years ago. And and it was, someone had posted a video of a a mother talking to her son about if you get stopped by a police officer, how you need to act. And and I mean, and it was the son's crying. And the, I think they had a a, a sister was, was in the video who was young, maybe eight, 10 years old. And she's crying and the mom's crying. And I'm like, man, we never had to have this conversation. My nieces and nephews never had this conversation. Nobody ever had to have this conversation with me. Like that's the privilege. I never had to have that conversation. Right. Um, so I, I think in schools, like like I said, that understanding that this work is ongoing. It is not a year thing that we're doing. It, it it's not just an initiative. It's mm-hmm. kind of a, a lifestyle that your your school is taking
2: on. Especially um, maybe in a district that isn't very diverse. That's right. right? So right. so. You know, and and what you don't know, I think, is sometimes what you're afraid of, right? So if if you bring mm. what you don't know into the everyday life, then you're you're something to, to fear less, or mm-hmm. you know, to, to see other people. I I I was pulled over going really fast at 17 with a bat in my console. I mean, it it at 12:30 at night, and the cop took the bat, gave me a warning, and said, "Get home." And I said, "But wait a minute." I made that bat in woodshop. Can I get the bat back? <laughs> he said, "Go home." <laughs> so when I hear, when I see the mm-hmm. the, the the scale you have, Reggie, the, the continuum, mm-hmm. like where you fall. I mean, that's eye opening. Right. But I right. but I like the fact that I get to make my way up because I right. thought I would have been a lot higher up. I I grew up in a pretty diverse. Um, neighborhood and and in a, in a diverse high school, uh, maybe not at first, but then when when I left the when I left the Catholic school and got into the public school, it was very diverse and and sure. and th- there were there were there were kids fighting kids over the colors of their skin and it was interesting and sometimes just to get to class. So I thought I would have been a lot higher up on that scale, but you know I'm I'm slowly moving my way up just because you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to learn and, and, and to grow. Um, I think it, it's not, it's more than just color. It's, it's with, with women um, and, and, you know, working with girls today. And even, I guess we talked about it a little bit, um, you know, if you're unsure, you know, like everyone's mm-hmm. got that voice, right. And mm-hmm. if, if the, if, if you don't meet those kids, then, how are they ever going to talk about, Oh, well, this is this multiplication fact. And this is a strategy I use when there's, when there's so much more that they're worried about trying to sit in the classroom and take it all in. Right.
3: Right. I, I, you know, I, I know, you know, my, my son is, is is 22 years old now and, and just, you know, having to worry, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and just be concerned about when, when he's out and about and, you know, and, you know, you know, we know the things that, that have happened with the interactions with police. And, you know, and I'm you know, and I'm saying to, there was one a couple a couple, couple, couple years ago, though there was a shooting in Pittsburgh and we're and it was on the news and we were talking about it. And I'm like, look, man, don't run. He's like, Dad, the only way I, I might survive is if I run, you know, and and I was literally, you know, I had no comeback. Right, you know, because you know he's just talking about surviving, and I'm just and and, and all I want is his survival, and you know, um, so you know when people start having those conversations or or start coming back or pushing back against what what privileges and 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 not having to have the conversation that I had with my son, right? Or last summer I was I was going a little fast down the street and and. and, and and the light and the lights turned on, and but I was actually relieved when it, it was a black officer that got out of the, out of the car. I was like, oh, okay, all right, well maybe this could be a little better. And, and he did let me off with a warning, but it was just like, whew, you know, um, and you know that's 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 a reality that that that's unfortunate for. Him. Uh, yeah,
1: go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Ron.
0: I was going to say, I, I think the other thing that comes into it is, you know, people feel like you have to be on one side of this issue or the, like you have to be able to support the police or you have to be okay with, you know, standing up for people's rights, your rights, somebody else's rights. If, if more officers when they were seeing injustice would speak up and say, yo, that's not right. Rather than just blindly saying like, we're in support of these guys, you know, nobody knows what we have to deal with.
3: Right. As, as a, as a, building administrator, you know, in in in, um, Piscataway and in Plainfield, you know, we had SROs in the building. And, and so I, I did have an opportunity to establish relationships with police officers in those districts. And so, you know, there's, you know, there there is it, 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 you know, the they they were, you know, the ones that I knew were very nice, very good human beings. And you know, and you know, and 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 so I I didn't I know I didn't see myself brushing the all of police, you know, all, all police persons with that same brush. But, you know, it is it is it's kind of a t- tough as a black man to watch it happen. And now, um, you know, just last night, you know, my wife and I were watching uh, FBI and FBI most wanted. There was a it was this, this whole thing about, you know, officer shoots a black man. And, you know, I'm, just, I'm almost tired of seeing the story. You know, because um, it's it, it still brings it brings up that same angst that 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 is, is always there. I,
1: I hear what you're saying to Ron and Joe about about being able to um, stand in both both um, camps, so to speak. Right. But certainly we've seen in the last 18 months or, or we've 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 experienced in the last 18 months what black people in the u.s have known for for right. a long time right right that the justice system policing a whole variety of what i would call kind of institutionally racist systems are set up are put into action or have been in and so I don't necessarily disagree with that, uh, with wanting to be supportive at the same time and critical. What I would sort of push back a little bit on is, are we addressing these systems with the kind of um, energy um, that, need, that to, to which they need to be addressed, you know, because... Uh, energy meaning
2: urgency or energy energy
1: Mm -hmm. urgency you know uh, i think uh, i mean that's part of privilege too i think joe right as a white person um as a white man you know i can walk walk through this life without um with seeing it happen with feeling certainly upset about it but it doesn't you know it doesn't um I might not die because right. of it, right? Right. right? It doesn't disrupt your daily life. That's right. That's right. And right. so, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how do more white people sort of really kind of look at and question their privilege as a way to begin to to dismantle right. some of these institutionally racist systems? Right. Well, um, I, whatever.
2: I, it, Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, nope, no, I'm done. Go. OK, because I like if if I wasn't in teaching, I wouldn't I would I would be aware of everything that was going on. But like you just said, I wouldn't know that I need to do something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like because because all the work we've done and, and the reason we've done this work is because we're in we're in the field of teaching. Right. And then and then maybe police officers are going through additional types of training. So I think then the need is to get the word out, right? Because if you're not in teaching, if you're not in police enforcement, what other people are out there doing this on their own unless they're into social media, right? And then social media, it goes back to I'm either for it or against it. And to me, that seems to be a huge problem today is no one can come together and talk Mm -hmm. and disagree and be able to come up with not even just a compromise, but just well, I mean, obviously, this this needs a solution. But if if in today's world, if it almost seems like if Ron doesn't support Trump and let's say I do support Trump, then right now, Ron and I might not be able to have a conversation because he's going to think this. I might think this. And then if it doesn't come together, then, oh, well, you're this. And 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 it becomes almost like mudsling where I think now you have to come together and say, OK, it's OK for me not to agree with what you think. But we still have to come together and talk about it. And and so how do you get everyone talking about it if their job isn't saying, hey, this has to change in our field? You know, I, I think that's the question that maybe when Ron and I are in class and and working on you know, what we do with either health lessons or, or with Ron and his technology class uh, to getting issues out and how, you know, how can we get these issues out there um, with public service announcements or, or us using, you know, media in the classroom. But then it's it's that, you know, so I think maybe, maybe then it goes to the schools to talk about it with the community. You know, I, I, I think that's the part that's maybe the missing piece. Right? How do you get this information out to everyone, and and how do you get everyone to care and want to change?
3: I, I, I think that I mean because of the the prevalence of, of social media and and the people who are creating content. I think the the ability to get the message out there is is there. Uh, but you know, there has to be open hearts and minds to be able to accept that what we what what has happened historically yes we can't go back and change it but it does impact what's happening now and, and and there there are those who sit in seats of privilege and power that will not give up that even that perception of power without true conflict right and you know I'm not, I'm not calling for a rise or an uprising or a war but it, until we get people to start start moving towards a self-awareness. And really showing, the, you know, and really taking a look at those historically racist systems, you know, things are, 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 are it's gonna be difficult for things to change, you know, you know, when, when, when people started, you know, getting inoculated and started talking about going back to normal, you know, you know, it, it, it frightened me because normal was inequitable for so many people, you know, how do we, you know, normal was not good enough. So why are we trying to go back to not good enough? And I think is, you know, in, in, in our moving forward, we have to be able to um, start having those conversations and there's gonna be a lot of disagreements and a lot of discomfort in those conversations, but it starts with the, the self-awareness. Even as a black man, my own self-awareness about, you know, again, and that can be gender, that can be ability, that can be uh, socioeconomic status. All of those conversations need, need to start and, and we need to stop, stop coming from a deficit thinking uh, perspective to start um, opening hearts and minds to be able to dismantle the, these systems that were built for the success of white Americans. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's interesting to have Reggie's point. It's a really good one. You, you have to have kind of both ends of the system, I think, in mind, right? At the same time, you have to kind of have that. So at one end of the system are historically racist systems. One end of the spectrum, that's a better way of putting it, are historically mm-hmm. racist systems like, housing, education, ju- the justice system and so on, right? And at the other end are individuals like us, right? So how do you how do you kind of get from one end to the other? And, and Reggie's point is a really good one. And that is, it really does begin. And I think this is some of the work that we're doing with you all and your colleagues. It really does begin with getting people to sort of see their privilege Mm-hmm. to kind of understand their place in this discussion. And as, as you said before, I think, Joe, right, looking at that uh, cultural continuum and kind of making some decisions about about where you sit on that and where do you ultimately want to be, knowing full well that I always think, too, that, that the end of the cultural continuum really doesn't exist. I mean, um, we had a school... Ask us to do some anti racism work with them. And we did that. Um, and, but, but the belief isn't at the end of that work, I'm suddenly going to be, you know, I'm going to get a little metal and I'm going to, you know, I'm an anti racist. It's a process, it's not an end product, you know, and it's critically important that one of the things that needs to happen is that people need to have kind of a growth mindset. We talk about our students. Right? right? Joe and Ron, we talk oh, about the yeah. students all the time needing to have a growth mindset, working with them to develop a growth mindset. Adults are no different, right? Absolutely. Understanding that, you know what, I may make a mistake today, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to say, you know that, that was a mistake. I can do better. Here's what I'm going to work on today, you know? And so it's not necessarily an easy path, but it's something that your point Joe or Ron, I forget who made it, but your point is, it's something that you always need to be addressing, that you always need to be sort of sitting in, in it and kind of understanding it and thinking about it, reading, talking, as you guys have said, talking about it, working on it, but knowing you're not ultimately going to get to this sort of idyllic rainbow pot of gold end.
2: right? You you get to the mark where you don't see color anymore. I just see people. I think it was it was Dr. Daniels, right? We were working with Dr. Daniels, and she and she said, She goes, you know, that that phrase cracks me up because I always like to respond with, Well, honey, if you can't tell that I'm a tall black woman standing in front of you, then we got a whole other problems to deal with before we start talking about anything else. That's right. You know, and it's That's like exactly right. Cause you gotta see it right. You gotta, you gotta, and you have to. I guess, take it in and, and, and know about it because, because it's culture, right? It's, it's, it's there. So why, why wouldn't she want to represent as a strong black woman? That's right. Um, Right. That's right. Right. Like that. You should be proud of it. Not, 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 not see it. When I was, you know, uh... like I said, I think I've, I've grown (laughs) so so I can, I can now see, yes, she is a strong black woman and and she cracks (laughs) me. Like, I love working with her. She's great. (laughs) When,
3: um, when I was an assistant principal, I, I remember I was, you know, I I, I never liked give, giving up my teaching, and I, I, you know, I, so I still ate in the teachers' lounge with, with the teachers when I was the assistant principal. Um, when I became a principal, everybody got quiet, so I stopped going in there. But, um, <laughs> you know, when I was, I remember there was one time I was sitting in the teachers' lounge and we were having a conversation, and it was it, we we had this same-sex couple. And we were having a conversation around black boys and the, the dichotomy of cool versus smart, um, and it was a really good conversation. And one of the teachers wanted to chime in, and she said, "You know," and she said that that same thing. She's like, "I don't see color. I j- I, j- I just see my kids." And, and without even taking a minute to think about my response. Uh-oh. I just looked at her. I said, "You know, only white people say that, right?" <laughs> and, um, and that kind of shut the whole conversation down yeah, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Well, I guess I'll go back to my office now." Um, yeah. But you know, but it, it, you know, it it, it, it was true. I'm mean, like, because it was like, because you know, if it, when I walk into a place, if you don't, you don't know my education level or anything else, you don't know anything about my my background, but you know, I'm a black man. You know, and so now you're going to take that one thing that I represent, that I, that I show up as and say, you don't see it. That's, that's, that's problematic.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
3: So if,
0: if someone out there wants to, you know, doesn't, doesn't really know about this or uh, uh, equity and, and, you know, what we've kind of been talking about isn't, isn't aware what, as an educator, what's something they can start with in their classroom? Like, you know, is, is there, where do you start or what can you start with? I mean, I think the first thing you have to have is an open mind, right? You have, mm-hmm. you have to be able to ha- like you said, be open to understand that you might not be addressing equity. I guess that would be the first step, but beyond that.
1: What do you, what do you say, what do you say, Reggie? You start and I'll, uh, I'll follow you. <laughs>
3: um, I, you know, I, I, I would always say, start with your own beliefs. You know there are um, many um, self-assessments, cultural mm-hmm. competency, mm-hmm. cultural proficiency, um, equity. There are many self-assessments that that allow you to reflect. You know sometimes you know people uh, o- avoid reflection because they already know answers. You know. And, and, and then it leads to, I guess, this level of, of cognitive, cognitive dissonance because, you know, I grew up, for example, I, you know, I'm a Christian, everybody is equal, but they know they haven't lived their life as, a, as in a way that shows that everybody is equal, right? Or everybody has, has opportunity. So I think it starts with, with um, a, a real examination of, of your own beliefs, and 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 then connect those to the goals. You know what? Are, what are your goals? Are you trying to meet the needs of every student, right? And and, and if that's not your goal, then maybe you should find a different, you know, yep. a, di- a different industry. But you know, but then it, it then it leads to, you know, what am I teaching? You know, am I comfortable teaching about Black history? Right. Yeah. You know, or, or am I only teaching black history in February? Right. Or what is April is Asian history, Asian uh, American history month. Right. Am I only using these multicultural months to, to really connect and and allow those voices to be heard and, and and how we look at all those, all those opportunities for voice, for varied voices to be heard in, in,
1: in classrooms. I, I think too, what's critically important is you need allies. Mm -hmm. So, you can't be sort of the lone person in your school setting or district setting kind of working on this stuff. One of the, the I love my work. And part of the reason I love my work is because after we have trainings, you know, Reggie and, Reggie and I will, will will sit on the phone for, you know, 15 minutes, just de- debriefing. And we get to talk about, I get to talk about this stuff all the time with Reggie, with some of the other ISA uh um, coaches consultants with my colleagues you know we get to to kind of um, push these ideas around and it really to me it's important to have compatriots who are going to push you who are going to disagree agree whatever it might be Um, so I would agree with Reggie that um, there needs to be this self-examination and I think sometimes the only way you get to it is by having someone help you with it, um, you and it, it? It, it doesn't need and it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be a Reggie Davenport coming into your school to do that training. It could be Joe, you and Ron, right? It could be the teacher across the hall from you. You know, the other thing I would say too is that <clears throat> I think there's so much that you could do. You know, pushing against. I mean, remember, I was an old middle and high school teacher right? Pushing against the texts, the curriculum that is sort of typically done. Um, How do you uphold student voice, right? How do you kind of ensure that the young people in your class, no matter who they are, have a chance to shape what the teaching and learning is like? I think that's really, really important. And again, what you're asking in some ways is you're asking those students to be allies with, right? To not allow you to be the sage on the stage but to, to um, work with you kind of as a, as a single entity through some of these issues too. So <laughs> yeah,
0: I, <know. laughs> I, I think because I, Joe and I, I mean, like you said, having that, that just other person, you know, like just to have the discussions with. I mean, Joe and I have, even after sessions with you all, like texted back and forth with each other or had a podcast the next week and discussed, you know, what we talked about during a session. So yeah, I, I, I agree that having that other person to, to just hold, again, hold you accountable, or just to have the discussion with and, and make you see things that maybe you haven't seen before.
2: Um, is- to, to have someone to start the discussion. Um, and right. that's, this is what that's, you know, the discussion is what the generated the podcast and and it's just you know it's just us talking about all these different important issues and we talked about it last week where we never thought what we started would end up where we're at today you know Mm -hmm. i mean talking about race and you know equity in the classroom i mean that's i that's a it's a it's a tough topic to talk about and here we are on the podcast discussing it so it's it's tough it's important and we're jumping into it Mm -hmm. um so i i think you know ron it's it's (laughs) It's been a wild ride. and And I think because we've taken it, you know how how much have we grown um yeah. with with just every you know just everything? i I had uh a dealing throwing something out on twitter and and um a, a, a woman commented like, Hey, would you be doing this if you, if you were focusing on a guy or are you just making are you just making um you know attire that someone would wear because you know girls just want to are are interested in in dress, you know, fancy clothes?' And, and, and I stopped and thought like, wait a minute, that's not it. But, but before I said anything, I stopped and thought about it. You know, I, I took a step back and said, wait, is that the case? You know, but two years ago, would I have stopped and, and thought about it? I, I don't necessarily know if I would've just fired right back without taking that reflection. So I, I think it's hit me in, in, in all areas of my life um, and I always say this year, I, I can't stand what this year has made me become I'm, I'm more sensitive. I'm thinking about my feelings more. I'm being self-reflective on so much so much crap. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but, but but I guess <laughs> to grow as an educator like that, you know, like that's I don't know. I, I think that's you. You know, the the growth I've seen in just everything, this my students included, because when you talk about this stuff, you see them start to grow and and be able to have the conversations, whether or not you agree with what they feel or not. We've provided this environment where they feel comfortable to say, "Hey, this is what I think," um, yeah. and that's that's really cool to see. Yeah, it's the the year's been huge for growth.
3: Well, you, you'll you'll find Joe once you get to fifty. Everything's gonna make you cry. So I'm
0: like 48 now, and I'm
3: oh man, and you get weepy over commercials, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's
0: right. (laughs) I just I wanted to ask if we talked about like teachers getting involved. How can you? How can teachers maybe get their students involved? And it may not happen necessarily at a third grade level, or maybe it can. And I know it can happen even greater at a high school level, but. You know where can teachers get their their students involved in like the the equity, whether it's in education or just equity in life. You know what, what's a good jumping off point, um, whether it be you know books or anything um, about getting students involved.
3: You know it was you know I taught middle school right, and so you know my eighth graders were it was the civics, and so we we often you know nothing, nothing gets an eighth grader you know off their rocker more than somebody think you know or them feeling that life isn't fair, right? And to have these conversations, we call them issues, issues days, that we put away the books and we talked about the issues and we debated back and forth. But I think for, for younger students, you know, th- they may not understand all the nuances of, mm-hmm. of, of racism and institutional racism, but they really do understand fair and not fair. Yep. And, to, and, and, and I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the, the power of project-based learning. Yep. and and I think using project-based learning and looking at, at at you know what's fair and not fair, and it can be you know you can start looking at some of the real basic abstracts of laws and and how people have been treated historically, and and and, and I think they they get that. I think you connect them to some kind of community service so that they are, are helping and serving. And blessing others is is a powerful thing. You know, it, you know, my wife and I talk about it all the time about how can we be a blessing to somebody else beyond our walls. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and not just donate money, but you know, be of service to to people. I I, I think for 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 the really young ones, I think that that goes a lot of, a, a long way in, in getting them connected to treating people fairly beyond your walls.
1: Yeah, and I think right when you get to middle and high school, right, Reggie, you're, you're mm. able to be more direct in your teaching in some way. Oh, absolutely. Right? Whether it be from the text that you teach, whether it be from the, the daily events that you discuss, I think that's critically important. You know, that the summer of 2020, I hope teachers in middle and high schools all over the country were talking about what was going on with their students um, and addressing their hard questions. Um, and reflecting on themselves too, and, and what, what they, what, what this caused in them, you know, and being vulnerable. I think, I think that's really important that in this work, it, it kind of goes back to that growth mindset I was talking about a few moments ago, right? You need to be vulnerable. You need to admit mistakes. Mm-hmm. You need to sort of know that, um, ultimately there are other voices to be heard, you know, beyond your own. Um, And I think um, allowing that kind of belief, it goes back to Reggie's point about self-examination and about, you know, allowing those kinds of beliefs is a step, I think, to really engaging young people in in your classroom. You know, Mm -hmm. it begins with yourself sort of admitting kind of where you are, where you sit in your privilege. right? Right, exactly, where you sit. You know, admitting that, thinking about that, working through that with your colleagues, and then, again, thinking about your young people and what they need. You know, it goes back to something we were talking about at the very beginning of this, you know, an hour ago. You know, what do they need to succeed, and therefore, what do you give them, right, to um, to do that, Reggie, you were about to say something.
3: But I, you know, but I think uh, uh, an additional piece of now, when you look, when you and when you look at what what it is that equity in education is, is like, and, we, and I and I talked about the making sure all the students have what they need. It is also making sure that all the educators. Have yes,
1: agreed. Need, yep. You know, to
3: to be able to to do this work. In our last session with um, your district. There was one of the teachers and, I, and I'm not going to mention her name, but she admitted in the session that she, you know, that has it is she felt stronger, you know, where now that she feels that she can speak to these things mm-hmm. where, you know, when we started this journey that she was 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 not the one, you know, she'd have been, you know, hey, let's just, just change the subject and things like that. But, you know, she, you know, as we were wrapping up last Friday that, you know, she she said that, you know, this was. This was, uh, you know, had been really important growth for her to be able to to speak to some of the issues that you're seeing in the district.
0: Yeah, that's all. And I love the Admiral. What you're saying, vulnerable, right? Like being able to be open and vulnerable, and it is so. I think that was probably the biggest step for me, being able to mm. be vulnerable and say, "Yeah, you know what? I was wrong. But this belief was not. It was based in." maybe lies I told myself or, or things that other people had told me. And, you know, being able to look at that and, and open myself up to maybe sometimes, you know, feeling a little bad about how I may have acted in the past or things that I may have done, but not harp on it, but grow from it. Yep.
1: Mm. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I do have to scoot. I'm sorry, you, you three. Um,
2: but we, we um, really
1: I, appreciate your yeah,
2: time thanks for joining us
1: no it's great to see you and uh i'll see you tomorrow right yeah, we'll you tomorrow yep. all right my friend i'll see you tomorrow all right. good night hey, good night all take care all right take uh, care you
2: know it, it's interesting because i always i thought the first time i saw that graph i would have been higher and i wasn't as high as i thought i was so then it's like you know, it's like with the kids with writing. If you're at a three, you want to get it a four. So see what you got to do for the four. So mm-hmm. to be like, all right, so now let's yeah, let's let's start to incorporate. But but like we said before, as a third grade teacher, the kids are young, right? So mm-hmm. now it's how do you how do you bring it in? Um, and you talk about you know kindness. Like we started December six. Like holy smokes, did anyone see what happened? Like not to talk about what happened, not to talk. January. Yes, that's it. January 6th. So say like, okay, so is that being kind? So, so you start off with how can you be a kind citizen? It is very tricky, but the fact that it's tricky doesn't mean you avoid it, right? Like you just have to be creative.
3: We can't avoid, we can't live our lives avoiding, uh, avoiding the difficult.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and to, to talk about it, um, to bring it in through, through, and I love the picture books, you know, and, and just to Mm -hmm. talk about the, the topics um, and and you talked about your civics class. So moving forward next year, I'm I'm trying to think about all these different ways to address social studies um, and learning about communities and learning about governments. And we're mm. we're putting together like some project based learning ideas. When I say we it's kind of like me and Ron just kicking around ideas. Um <laughs> but to 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 bring in the idea I was I was you know before thinking oh I'll just go what makes a perfect community. But I think maybe what's important is to maybe bring out some of these communities Where it's not perfect, and those relationships Mm -hmm. aren't good, and to maybe start talking about why that isn't good and what we could do to make a better community.
3: Make a better Um, community. And like I said
2: earlier, like this podcast, like it's it's the conversations, it's it's the topics, and it's helping me become a better teacher. You know, we say it all the time. If if we if someone can get one little thing from it, right? Like the podcast was worth it. And a, and a lot of times that's someone it's definitely me it's definitely
3: wrong so <laughs> for, for, for your own self learning that's okay that's okay yeah. but it's you know, it's, oh, you know but in, in a lot of ways you know the, what we do as educators right you, we you never know that it, it, it that that seed germinates until sometime down the road I, I remember a couple of, a few years ago uh, one of my former students who's now uh, a fireman nearby. And he, he found me on Facebook and he was like, Mr. D, you know, I finally get what you were talking about. Right. And he was in my homeroom, and, you know, it was the Pledge of Allegiance and being the radical that I was, you know, I would always end it. And liberty and justice for some. <laughs> and <laughs> and my, my students would always look at me like, why does he say that? And I'm like, it's all right. You'll get it. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he reached out and he says, yeah, Davenport. I, I get it now. And he, and he's not black like me, so you know, it was like you know, so it was. So it that
2: was, was important cool. for him to hear, right? Like yeah, that's important. Absolutely, yeah.
3: Well, uh,
0: you said that that little kernel that just stuck in the back of his head. He, he mm-hmm. never, you know, just remembers. Yeah, absolutely. if someone and I know this is is hard, but like if you could recommend, like if someone wanted to do some reading, uh, a, a website that is is a good place to. Get more information, uh, uh, even a, a documentary that, or a, a movie to to kind of help you open yourself up and, like Abner said, be a little more vulnerable, be a little more open to learn. Were there any things that you would would recommend to listeners?
3: I yeah, got I got a, I got a rather long list. <laughs> list. I, got a, I got a I got a big list. But you know, if if you're if you're listening to podcasts. First of all, they have to listen to teacher nerds, right? Right, right, right. All right. 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 But, uh, <laughs> but um, I, there is um, a podcast, uh, nice, nice white parents. Uh, Sixteen nineteen project was was phenomenal as well. That was unbelievable. That right. there is there is a relatively new one. Well, it's new to me. Uh, Leading equity, uh, Doctor Speaks is, is is running is is doing that, and uh, on the NPR uh, podcast Code Switch. Are, are the ones that I listen to regularly. But as far as uh, books are concerned, well, you know, websites, I would really tap into the uh, learningforjustice.org. Um, it is, you know, a, a lot of phenomenal uh, information there. There's um, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. You know, she doesn't really pull any punches there. <laughs> there is a book uh, by Eddie Glaude uh, about uh, the work of James Baldwin called Begin Again that, that was really phenomenal. Biased by Jennifer Eberhardt, you know, and, 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 and there were there were some books and uh, Other People's Children by Lisa Delpit. Abner also shared some books with me. How to, How to Be an Anti-Racist by uh, Ibram Kendi mm-hmm. and uh, Between the World and Me. Paulo Fierre's Pedagogy of the Oppressed, Charlie Yu's Interior Chinatown. And we're going
0: to put these in a wakelet so that people can okay. link right to them. So uh, Cool.
3: cool. Yeah. Paul Tufts, The Years That Matter Most.
0: Hey, well, I, I mean, nice. that's, that's a, I think that's a good starting list for yeah. someone uh okay. in. Yeah, that's- yeah it, might, it might be
3: a little hey. that'll, that'll fill somebody's summer for sure. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, figure, right, you take, I, I'm starting with Learning for Justice and Nice White Parents.
3: Yeah. yeah that, that was, it was a really interesting story. Yeah, the Nice White Parents is only, I think it's like five or six episodes. It is, it's, uh, it's a nice little series.
0: Cool. Oh, so it's just a, a, a short series. It's yeah. kind of like 1619 was, you know, like right. it, uh, it ended right. it at a point, yeah. which I've actually gone back and listened to that, I think I three times uh, i mean i just yeah, i've listened
3: to it twice you know so well done. And, and, and it is amazing how how much i felt like i missed I'm like i don't remember that you right. know when i we're when going back so it's, it's kind of like rereading a book right yep. you're know, like oh yeah new, new perspectives yeah Excuse me. reggie I, I
0: gotta say I, it's been awesome to have you on it's been awesome to be here
3: yeah That's a great.
0: Thanks And just getting to to know you through the work we're doing in school and and everything.
2: it's just like our Friday afternoons That's Friday good. afternoons. That's right. I wish you guys were on all the calls this week <laughs> <laughs> but it Uh-oh. is it's 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 tough conversations, but you know what? everyone's there for the same reason, right? Like mm. you make it comfortable and and you say from the very beginning you don't have to agree, right. right but right. You just not, got to speak uh, there's news. something there yeah, right and and be comfortable with it, right? Or do you say, mm-hmm. sit with it, something? You say something. Right. I, 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 I say, be, it,
3: be comfortable with the discomfort. That's right. Right.
2: Yeah. there's yeah. going to
3: be discomfort, right?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: That's that vulnerability that Adner was talking about,
3: right? Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. All right.
0: Again, thank right. you so much. Uh, thank we'll you again, again for the opportunity. Tomorrow. This
3: was a lot of fun. Teacher nerds,
1: teacher nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try. Don't be shy. There's nothing that'll there lose. Worst thing that happens: kids get pain on their shoes. we talking teacher nerds. I'm told. We
0: hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Nerds podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. When you subscribe, be sure to give us a review and tell a friend. Visit us at teachernerds.com. Follow us on Twitter at teachernerds on Instagram at teacher nerds podcast or email us teacher at gmail.com and remember we're nerds with a z most importantly thank
1: you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds